I had started researching bee venom for kind of lurking the bee venom Facebook pages after this. Um, and I just hit this wall with my protocol at the time where I was like, it's not working. I'm going broke. I, I felt extremely called. <laughs> Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name is Jess. And I'm Haley. And before we get into today's episode, we just wanted to remind you guys to come hang out with us on Instagram and follow the podcast at Social Soul Podcast on Instagram, on TikTok. On all the places. Yeah. Twitter. Pinterest. Pinterest. Wait. Do Wait. We have a we have a Pinterest board. <laughs> we have a Pinterest board. <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> We're still learning what Pinterest even means. Um, and as always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us on there because we want all the good reviews. Unless you're going to leave a one star review, then don't don't review us. I keep getting so scared to look at reviews <laughs> because I'm like, oh my god, what if there's a bad review? I'm like so nervous to read negative criticism. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all we really had before we dive into today's episode. So let's get going. Okay, so today's guest is Brittany Elliott. She is known as Britter Bees on Instagram. She is a fellow Lyme warrior that I actually met through Instagram a while back. Uh, we brought her on today because, I mean, I just truly find her story so inspiring. She util utilizes her platform to share a specific Lyme disease treatment called Bee Venom Therapy, which tends to be a little controversial, but that doesn't stop her from like just living her truth and sharing the resources to those who need it. So I really look up to her for that. So thank you so much for being here today, Brittany. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. You're so cute. I love your little intro. <laughs> it was Eddie great. It. it was really good. <laughs> I don't I know how to that all that. last night. <laughs> oh, you're inspiring me already. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so, so very excited. So I want to start off just by like having you share a little about yourself in general. So just like, where do you live? How old are you? What do you do for work? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, all the fun shenanigans. Let's get to it. Uh, I am 28 years old. Uh, I live in Denver, Colorado. However, I'm from Southern California. So I was born and raised in a small town out there called Marietta, California, but I kind of bopped around uh, after high school around San Diego, Orange County, and dipped in a, li a little bit of L.A., um, and actually moved out to Denver close to three years ago now, um, honestly, for my health, to escape mold, uh, to hopefully uh, heal myself from Lyme disease completely. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. And then as far as what I do for work, I work in like channel and event marketing with a cannabis company uh, known as PAC, which is a cannabis vaporizer. And I've been with them uh, since I moved out to Denver. So about three years now. I remember learning that you worked for a cannabis company and I was like, she is so fucking cool. I love it. Um, it's, it's honestly such a fun industry to be in. It's, it's ever changing for sure. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, it's spicy to put it, to put it into one term. <laughs> I feel like Denver too is like the perfect place to like get into that sort of work. Like when you said you lived in Denver and then you work with a cannabis company, I'm like, makes sense. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. It's been really fun. Um, it's really crazy to see. I work in a bunch of different territories, um, Arizona being one of them. And it's just really cool to be able to see the different, um, I guess, just like the different culture around it, because, you know, all these different places are legalizing at different times. So it's like Denver is the mature market. And then you go into a new market 
and yeah, it's new, but then it's like, now it's all these like really hot uh, and cool boutiques versus Denver is kind of these more like mom and pop shops. So really cool to see the different cultures in every different uh, state that I work in. So I want to ask this question because I was like, maybe I should wait till later, but I know I'll forget. Mm-hmm. Um, you travel a lot for like this work. Is that like hard on you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, gosh, when I first started with them, uh, I was kind of overseeing our emerging markets and I was traveling probably like 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was a lot. This was prior to me even really knowing that I had Lyme disease. So of course at that time I'm just pushing through thinking like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but like, this is what it's been and no doctor has diagnosed me. So I just have to keep kind of going and chugging. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely, it's not easy by all means, but I have gotten kind of in a routine and I will say as bad as it sounds, COVID was the biggest blessing for me, uh, in terms of work, uh, because we were on really a travel hold the last year, almost year and a half. So I'm just now starting to get back into it. So that's nice. So you had a, like a big break there where you could yeah. just be like, catch your breath a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like zero travel, just staying at home, working from home, detoxing, um, obviously treating Lyme, but, um, it was a big blessing in disguise for sure. And you're currently on like a two week break from work, right? Like while we're recording this? Yes. It was is- that, was so- that just like a planned thing? Like you were just like, I'm taking these two weeks to myself. Yeah. You know, I, um, I've been going through kind of like a lot of bad flares um, and just kind of, you know, just not feeling well. And every time I've like taken a vacation off work or time off work, it's been me going to Hawaii with my family, which is great. And it's a vacation and it's nice, but it's, as you know, it's not really time for you and a detox and to just really like sit with yourself. Um, And yeah, this was something I kind of planned out like a little bit over a month ago. I was like, you know, I just, I was hitting my breaking point, honestly, of burnout, of not feeling well of just like not knowing what the heck, you know, tomorrow was going to bring. And so I was just like, you know, what, I'm going to take two weeks off just for myself. Um, and I have zero plans. And it's been so nice. Like, this is so great. I literally woke up today. I've been kind of shooting the shit. I did my stings. I've been walking around. Like, yeah, it's been really nice. Good for you. I honestly think we need to normalize this, like taking time away from work to literally not do shit. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That is the life that everybody needs to have. Everybody's always taking, yeah, they take their two week vacations from work to literally go travel for two weeks and exhaust themselves even more. But it's like, yeah, it's cool. You get to see the world, but are you truly like resting? No. Right, right. And people always say like a vacation from a vacation, right? Exactly. I feel like it's also such a privilege though for people who are healthy. Like I never really consider needing to take time off simply to just like, take care of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is very true. It's a yeah. luxury for sure. That's true because before I got sick, I definitely was the one that was like, oh, two weeks off work. I'm fucking going to go to St. Thomas. Do all the yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that that's something that needs to be encouraged more. So I love that you're talking about it. Agreed. Yes. I want to circle back to how you mentioned that you said you were born in California, Southern California, right? Yes. Yep. What, what area? So uh, I grew up in Marietta, uh, but I most recently was living out in Orange County before I moved out to Denver. I uh, went to college in San Diego um, and grad school in uh, Long Beach. So I'm curious how, like, I mean, being a Southern California person, I feel like you grew up in sunshine and like warmth, right? And Absolutely. then you went to Denver. Like, what is that yeah. like? Yeah. Okay. Fun fact. This is a fun fact I'd love to tell everyone. Um, Denver is actually sunnier than Los Angeles. No way. Believe it or not. So yes, obviously we do get winters, we get cold, but honestly, 
this is probably like the most mild state I can be in to have like a snow or like a snowy winter. But yeah, so we still get sunshine. So though it does snow, like the sun will be out the next day and melt it completely. So it's pretty mild. But I would have never known that. I know, right? In the same breath, I am hands down a beach girl and I moved out here for my health. And and trust me, this has been the biggest blessing the last three years of truly figuring out, you know, my diagnosis, working on treatment, working on myself, finding myself really. Um, but hands down, I am I'm a West Coast girl. <laughs> so why why did you choose Denver specifically, like for your health? Like what attracted yeah. you to that area? So I, at this time when I was moving, when I was looking for a place to move, I was yet to be diagnosed with Lyme disease and I was only diagnosed with mold toxicity. And so at this point I was looking for places that had a low mold index rating. And a lot of that was leading me to like states with dry, uh, dry climate and Colorado happened to be like one of the top states for that. Really? Yeah. So it's super dry out here. I literally would have never known that. I just picture it as being like snowy and rainy. Me too. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it snows, but the, I mean, like the the moisture and the air and stuff, it's extremely dry. Like you'll come out here and you'll be you'll be like loading up on lotion the entire time. I apparently don't know shit about other states. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we only need to know about Arizona, so it's fine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> we only care about Arizona. Yeah. Right yeah. Okay, so I obviously want to hear like the whole mold toxicity story too, but I want to like even, or I just kind of want to go back to like where did it all start? Like, what were you doing? How old were you when like shit started to go bad? Yeah, when shit hit the fan, guys. Uh, I, gosh, I would think I was 22. I was 2015. Uh, I had just graduated college. I, at the time, was kind of in between figuring out like what I wanted to do with my career and my life. And so I was interning. Um, and then I was a server at this awesome fucking beach restaurant in San Diego. I used to literally ride on the water. If anyone has ever been to Mission Beach, I worked at Draft in Mission Beach and like I would make all my tables stop and watch the sunset with me. And like, it just, gosh, it was the glory days, easy days. Um, Freaking amazing. Um, And yeah, so it's kind of like in this in-between transition of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I was studying for the G or studying for the GRE uh, for grad school uh, for sports management. And honestly, up until this moment of like that time in my life, I was like pretty outgoing. I, I was really outgoing. I was real, very much a party animal in college. Um, Nothing really stopped me. I was like, involved in a bunch of different organizations. I used to give like the campus tours on our, uh, in college and be in sorority life and all of those fun things involved. Um, and then I kid you not, um, I had moved into this house in Ocean Beach in San Diego and it was this cute ass little beach bungalow, uh, two blocks from the ocean. It was fantastic, but it was covered in black mold. And to the point where like, I, the reason why I know this is because I saw it coming out of the walls. I saw it coming out of the shower. It was to the point where I was just scrubbing it with bleach, which knowing now that's the worst thing that you can do. Um, and yeah, just overnight, like my, I started experiencing all of these neurological brain issues. Um, I was severely depressed, uh, overnight. I started having kind of like hallucinations, lucid dreams, um, eye floaters, feeling lightheaded, feeling dizzy. Um, and just not feeling like myself. Um, and that's really just kind of where everything started from that moment. Um, it took me a long time after that to get a diagnosis. I want to say it was uh, close to five years until I finally got a diagnosis of what it all meant. But that's truly like where it all started. Wait, what year did you get diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 2018. 
Hell yeah, 2018 class. 2018 girls, let's get it. We're like the class, like we should have like graduations. Like honestly, we're entering college and yeah. Seriously though, like I talked to so many people with Lyme disease and I will tell you 95% of the people I talk to are diagnosed in 2018. And we're always like, what a shit year 2018 was. Like, we're the 18ers. I love it. Let's do it. We're in it together. We're going to make t-shirts now officially because I just blew my mind that you're also 2018. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were dealing with the mold, did you ever experience, like, I know you said you were depressed because um, I went through mold toxicity too. So like I can super relate to this. Did you ever go through like feeling like you couldn't handle your emotions? Like you would get really, really upset about things and you could like I don't know, not bring yourself back down from that or get really sad yeah. about something. Did you say Absolutely. That? Yeah. I think it was just honestly a mind fuck in general of like just something. It felt like almost something foreign was entering my body. Um, I was in a relationship at this time. And granted, I still think I was on the right side of the relationship, but it got really rocky um, and we ended up breaking up. And looking back, I do question sometimes. I'm like, I wonder if, if that had an effect on anything that I did. But honestly, it was more so everything on his part from from my remembrance of it. But uh, regardless, uh, I do sometimes. Yeah, I definitely felt that for sure. Do you mind sharing like what was the breaking point of that relationship? I'm just curious, because like I had a relationship that ended during mold mold toxicity, too. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, to keep it completely transparent, honest, he was uh, very insecure and didn't trust me. (laughs) So it was more so on his end. But um, I do think that I was I definitely like my emotions were all over the place. And it was really hard for me to even like um, grasp really what was happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. Was he um, like understanding or supportive at all of like what you were going through at the time? Or did you know like that it was mold toxicity before? No. You it, or was that after? I had no idea. So I was kind of pushing through. This was like just in the beginning of me starting to go to doctor's appointments. I mean, he definitely was understanding, but Um, at the same time, he obviously didn't stick around. So it's telling as well. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like going through something like that too is so easily a breaking point in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's how I felt with mine. Like we had been together for four years and things were already a little off, but I don't know if that's because I was so sick and I just had no idea. You know what I mean? Right. But when I did start getting like diagnosed with everything, like it was clear that he didn't really care to understand what the fuck was happening yeah yeah yeah, a lot happened but I just feel for anybody that you know goes through something like that while also trying to maintain a relationship so it's not a thousand percent maintaining a relationship as well as having children too I give people so so much credit because it's just I mean those are things like I just couldn't imagine I give the moms out there who have Lyme just I literally bow down to them Yeah, honestly, I do too. And honestly, it's a huge reason why I'm like, I don't know if I will ever have kids because I can barely take care of my fucking self. Like, it's ridiculous. No, I agree. Um, You said that the mold was like pretty visible in the place that you were living. Oh, yeah, it was it was extremely visible. It's disgusting. Did you ever have it like come out of your shower or like? Yeah, it was literally it was everywhere. Like and every time I'd hop in the shower, it was just black mold. Um, my roommate's shower, which I never showered in, uh, and she never cleaned hers, uh, was just even worse. Just literally visible black mold everywhere. I would love like it's still in my bucket list to do. I don't know how I would do it, but I would still to this day love to do um, like an army test in that house to see what it comes back at because it was that bad. You know, I used to at my place that had mold, I would run a bath 
and I would like turn the water on, I'd walk out and I'd come back in and there would be mold in the bathtub. Like I'd come out of the bathtub faucet and I didn't know what it was back then. Yeah. Like I had no fucking idea. I just thought like, oh, maybe it's, I I mean, I knew it was obviously something inside the pipes. Right. But I didn't like think to myself that this is going to like hurt me. Right. I mean, we're not like, like nobody teaches us this stuff. And like, even nowadays, so many people don't know. I mean, I do think that it's becoming a lot more, you know, um, prevalent. And I think there's a lot more awareness around it. But still, to this day, people have no idea the impact that has on us. And I am so convinced that mold is the silent killer of America, because what does it do? It causes inflammation. And what causes so many diseases and cancer is inflammation. Mm -hmm. And people are just living in it every day. I think it's wild that there is no accountability really for landlords or people renting to take care of that shit too. Absolutely. Like how frustrating this place you move into on the beach, you're like super excited and then it's freaking filled with mold. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I bet your rent was like expensive too. So that's just wild. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And like, even now, um, if you guys like sign contracts with like apartment buildings and stuff, there's actually like mold clauses in there that I have to sign off saying that mold will not make me sick. And basically that I can't sue the building for it. I'm like, that is insane. No, it's been in almost like every lease that I've signed, uh, out in Colorado at least. That makes no sense. Did you ever like mention to your landlord at the time about it or did you just move out? What happened there? No. Oh, in the San Diego house? Yeah. Um, No, because I didn't realize it was mold until, gosh, three to four years down the road. And so it just like at that point, I didn't even know who the landlord was. And um, and I mean, there's mold everywhere by the ocean on the coast. But um, but yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I mentioned it to my landlord. And she basically told me I was crazy. So, and then <laughs> your ex was gonna clean it himself. Oh yeah, my landlord. So my landlord did a test on the house itself, and I did a test on myself at the same time. And I came back like high in mold toxicity with like multiple yeah. different kinds. The house came back within livable levels of oh, mold. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Like there's a livable level of mold that we're allowed to live in, that's which is so bullshit. Crazy. It's such bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was basically like, well, since this is within the livable lem- limit, you know, you can just clean it yourself. And I was like, first off, my doctor told me to stay the fuck away from mold. How am I supposed mm-hmm. to clean this shit myself? My boyfriend at the time um, was like, well, I'll just clean it. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not. I'm not living here. Yeah. So I moved out and like both of them, I feel like just didn't understand it or fully support me, which fucking sucked. But yeah. I had, to, I had I, to make the move. It's it's truly disgusting. People will never know until they're actually going through it. Um, I have a neighbor here in my building now and her she, crazy story. I actually met her uh, through a friend in my building. Um, she has Lyme disease. She was signed up to do B venom therapy before I even met her. Just very small world. But uh, she just had a leak in her apartment. And like, the fact, like there was water literally coming from her ceiling and she had to go into the leasing office, you know, and just explain like, hey, if I have Lyme, like this is triggering my symptoms. I need to get out. And they were just so rude and not understanding about it. And it's just, it makes me, it like irks me. It's like, this is somebody's health. Like, don't you care at all? Mm-hmm. People don't yeah. understand. They don't. Okay. So um, let's go to after, you know, you were dealing with all of the mold toxicity and stuff like that. What happened next? Yeah. So um, I had been dealing with symptoms uh, from that point for basically, gosh, maybe three years. I um, was kind of in and out of doctor's offices, was going through grad school. 
honestly have no idea how I did it looking back. Definitely just was pushing myself because every doctor told me I was completely fine and I was normal. And I got to the point where I believed them. Um, and I just kind of kept pushing through and chugging along until I got to the point where it was just my body was just overloaded. Um, I was toxic as fuck and I, I needed help. And so um, at this point, I kind of started taking health into my own hands and seeing more functional doctors and nutritionist, um, basically everything that you can think of, um, paying out of pocket to see specialists, um, still a journey, still really wasn't getting answers. And then that's when I started going on Google and going on Facebook and going online uh, and searching my life away because I knew something had to be wrong. Uh, and that's really when I came across mold and mold toxicity and found an article on that. Um, when I remember just reading it and my eyes just lighting up, like, wow, I feel finally like seen, like, I feel like this has to be my issue. Um, especially knowing how much mold was in that house. Like this seems so crazy. So I had found a mold specialist out in uh, Los Angeles who diagnosed me pretty much on the spot, but he did like a, a neuroquant MRI, a vision test and a few other things. Um, basically telling me that I had mold toxicity. Um, and then, yeah, from there, basically, I treated mold for a year um, with, like, I always say this word wrong. Someone correct me. Is it cholestyramine? Is oh, right? I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know how to say it correctly either. <laughs> I always say it wrong. I just say CSM for short. So I was on yeah. that for about a year. I did, like, really heavy detoxing and saunas and things like that. Um, really just didn't get the relief that I needed. So at that point, I was like, it has to be my house. Like, and at this, this time, I wasn't living in that house anymore. I was living in Orange County at this time with my parents, still a few blocks from the ocean. And I tested their house and it came back at an ERMI score of a six, which isn't terrible. But uh, Dr. Shoemaker recommends anyone that has chronic inflammatory response syndrome uh, should be in a house of a two or lower. So at that point, I was absolutely convinced that the second that I moved into a clean house or clean environment that I was going to heal. Well, this is when I looked into Colorado, ended up landing a job with PAX out here. Uh, so took basically sold all my belongings, like triple washed my clothes, moved out here into a clean environment, thinking that was going to be just like the, the trick to everything. I was going to heal myself completely. Uh, Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I got out here. Uh, I didn't get the relief that I needed. Um, was living in a brand new building, clean building. Um, and that's when I was talking to a sweet friend out here um, who is pretty well versed in like the health and wellness field. Um, and she was asking me, she's like, a lot of your symptoms sound like Lyme disease. Like, have you ever been bit by a tick? I was like, well, yes, I have. <laughs> and she was like, how, why haven't you gotten tested? I'm like, I don't know. I, no one's ever brought it up before. Um, so really initially after moving out here, after a few months, I got, I found a Lyme literate medical doctor. Um, again, after one or two tests diagnosed me pretty much on the spot. And that's really just the, I want to say the start, but the five-year journey of finally getting a Lyme disease diagnosis. Oh, it took forever. You remember getting bit by a tick, which I think is so rare. A lot of people yeah. are like, I have no fucking idea how I got this. And do you yeah. like, what was that moment? How old were you when that happened? Yeah. So I was seven. I was on a camping trip in San Diego, which still to this day, people are like, wait, Lyme and ticks are in California. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yes, they're in California. They're everywhere. Um, literally one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, and yeah, so I was bit by a tick. I was young. I don't remember it myself, but my mom was giving me a bath uh, after a camping trip. And there was just embedded in the back of my spine uh, was this just tick pretty much halfway its body of its little legs crawling out. 
So yeah. she freaked out um, took me to the doctors. They burnt it out, which now I've heard as well that that's mm-hmm. not the way to, to go about that either. Um, of course, this doctor didn't bring up Lyme disease at all. Just really took the tick out, went about my day, went on with my life. Um, wow. So that's when I was bit. And like growing up, I had benign symptoms, like nothing crazy, but I, I was like chronically strep throat. I had eczema to the point where I like couldn't wear jeans because it was that embarrassing for so long. Um like SIBO, things like that. But it really wasn't until living in that house at, at 22 years old uh, where things really, really triggered for me. That is like so similar to how shit happened for me. Although I don't remember ever getting bit by a tick. So I have no idea how I fucking got it. But like just like the having weird symptoms like growing up, but like nothing that like, you know, severely like debilitated you or anything, but just like these random weird things. I always had that too. And then it was mold toxicity that literally flipped the switch for me. So that's wild. It's insane how it literally does that. And I've had so many comments on my social channels of people being like, this girl's crazy. She was healthy for what is it? 15. I don't, I can't do the math. 15 years of her life. And all of a sudden, and she's relating this to this tick bite. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. Like, uh, it's all interconnected. And yeah, the fact that it can lie dormant in your body for that long and then having such a trigger such as toxic black mold really just brings it out of you. Yeah. And it's frustrating because like I get that it's all so confusing because like it's confusing as hell to us too, even yeah. though we know a lot more than the average person now. Like it still makes no fucking sense. But like just respect the fact that like this shit is happening. You know what I mean? Like just don't be an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah. That's my motto. Interesting too. You guys both seem to have a similar experience with how busy you were when you guys were living in toxic mold. Like you guys both were like graduating from college and in these toxic relationships and just like doing all of this shit. So I think that that's really interesting too. Absolutely. Yeah. And having no idea at the time, like there was really no other option for me. Like I just had Mm -hmm. to finish through, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, what I've learned, you know, over the years is like, you can have Lyme disease or other tick-borne illnesses in your body and it can be dormant for like God knows how long. Like for example, you got bit when you were seven. That's probably when you contracted it and you were okay like living life until your immune system crashed because of mold. Like it's just crazy that people can't understand that connection that like your immune system crashes and then whatever's in your body is like, hell yeah, like it's time to fucking play, bitch. (laughs) Like it just comes out full force. And that's when you're hit with like the chronic shit and there's like not much you can do about it, you know? So it's just, it's, it's just crazy that it can happen so quickly and so fast. But I really feel for you with the mold toxicity thing. I actually had no idea that you dealt with the mold too, which I feel like is stupid because I feel like 99% of Lyme people deal with the mold, but. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I mean, some, some people don't make that correlation um, yeah. or, or are just like um, kind of put blinders up to it and don't want to believe in it, but it's, it's very much a true, a true connection. Yeah. And did you ever experience like people being or people questioning the mold toxicity thing with you because like the people that you were living with didn't get as sick as you did? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say like up until I really had my Lyme diagnosis, even a lot of my family members were, I mean, I, I don't want to say sh- they didn't shut shut me down by means, but it was just a little bit um, questioning, right? Like, well, are you sure? That seems a little bit weird. This and that. Um, thankfully, now everyone's very much well-versed uh, and educated and totally believes in it now. But um, absolutely, I had a lot of people question, question the mold thing. Even to this day, I mean, people still question it. Yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating 
frustrating fucking thing that people question that, but absolutely. What's she going to do about it? Um, I'm curious. So since you got 2018, you were diagnosed with Lyme, like what all specific diagnosis have you received like over the years? Because I know like as somebody with tick-borne illness, like you get a lot of other shit that starts to happen too. Like some people get the mast cell activation syndrome or like the dysautonomia. Like have you had any other shit happen? Yeah, I actually didn't have like a ton of diagnoses. I always say this, diagnoses or diagnoses. Yeah. diagnoses. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, I didn't have a ton move, like prior. Um, it was more so they couldn't find anything wrong with me, even though I was going to the doctor time after time. I will say I was diagnosed um, in college. I was diagnosed with SIBO. So that was a big one. Also, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Also, now that looking back, I was also diagnosed. Maybe I was diagnosed with a lot. I'm like laughing to myself. Um, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr virus in college. Mm-hmm. And having no idea what that even meant, the doctor was like, yeah, there's nothing that you can do about it. (laughs) Okay. Now looking back, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, I'm so mad. What else? Um, One of my functional doctors did like a nutrient test and I was pretty much nutrient deficient in almost all the nutrients, which was interesting. Um, My neurologist diagnosed me with ADHD, which I had zero issues with that. He was just because of the brain lesions. He wanted to just put me on some antibiotic for it. Um, but yeah, those were kind of like the main ones prior to, to the Lyme diagnosis. And I'm curious, like you, you never had the mast cell stuff come up from living in mold and you mentioned like the eczema stuff that you dealt with earlier. So I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that like, that was never something that like got like super, super crazy for you, like allergies or anything. No, you know, I am shocked too. Um, no doctor ever brought that up. But like, looking back, I definitely had it while I was living in that house. Like I used yeah. to, I used to wake up and my eyelids were like swollen shut and so bright red. And like, oh, it, that happened so many times to me. Yeah. And like, I remember going to the allergist and be like, and I'm like, I haven't done anything new, like no new mascaras or eyeshadows or anything. And it, yeah. And so like, looking back, um, a thousand percent, I, I had it in that house, but like no doctor ever brought it up. Yeah. Which I feel like it is a very rare thing for a doctor to know about. I don't know many doctors that are actually familiar with it. I got super lucky because I actually had a friend that was diagnosed with it that lived near me. And so when I was dealing with all the symptoms, she was like, oh, my God, I just got diagnosed with this. It sounds like mast cell activation syndrome. I had a naturopathic doctor actually be like, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you, but I think this might be what's wrong with you, the mast cell activation syndrome. But she was basically like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to help you, which mm-hmm. at the time sucked, but I respect it now because I've been through so many doctors that think or act like they're helping me when they're not. Totally. But I just got lucky that like I, my friend was like, this doctor diagnosed me with it, like go straight to her. I can't even imagine if I wouldn't have had that resource like I probably would have never been actually diagnosed with it because nobody else knew what the hell was happening. Yeah, nobody at all. Um, it definitely is becoming a lot more aware though now with COVID and everything. My mom is actually dealing with it really bad. Uh, she's kind of one of those COVID long haulers, but she's been like referred to this like mass cell activation specialist. I'm like, where was all of this when I was sick? <laughs> like, right? like, trust me, I don't want her to feel bad or and I don't want anyone to go through it. But I'm just like, wow, I think there is a lot more awareness around it these days. That is true. I have heard with like the vaccines and stuff, like articles coming out being like, you know, be careful getting the vaccine if you have mast cell like disease. And I'm like, wait, people actually know what the fuck this is? Like, 
Right. Why does everybody act like they don't know what the fuck it is when it comes to Lyme disease? Yeah. But they know what it is when it comes to the vaccine. I'm like, this makes no sense. Uh, no sense at all. <sighs> okay. <topic. laughs> I want to ask you, um, what like treatments did you or have you tried for Lyme disease specifically? Yeah, so I um, was working with my Lyme literate medical doctor out here. I was actually under two of them out here um, and just did a whole bunch of different protocols. Um, it was mainly like herbs, a, a small mix of antibiotics, um, supplements, obviously. Um, and then additionally, just the detoxing on top of it. I did that for about like eight to nine months and just was spending so much money. Um, as mentioned, I moved out to Colorado on my own and like was trying to keep up with, with myself and my finances. Um, and it just got to the point where like, it wasn't working. It wasn't helping me. Um, and I was going broke. So that's when I decided to look elsewhere. So I really want to talk about your elsewhere that you just mentioned. How, like, I just don't even know anything about the treatment that you do now. And I have so many freaking questions about it. Um, so tell us, like, how did you find out about bee venom therapy in general? Yeah. So Facebook, which has been a godsend, I'm sure, as you guys know, for all illness uh, related yep. questions. And honestly, I've learned more through Facebook than I have, like, and anywhere else, but that. <laughs> regardless, yeah, it was through a line Facebook group. And I just remember, um, I kept reading about it. I kept reading about these people that were like completely healing themselves and how cheap it was and how natural. And I'll, I'll never forget, like when I first read about it, I was talking to my friend who actually was a beekeeper at the time, um, or was doing like a beekeeping class. And I was like, Kennedy, I was like, I could never fucking do that. <laughs> Those people are crazy. I'm like, they literally seem impulsive bees. Like that's bizarre or how bizarre. Um, but how bizarre. <laughs> how bizarre. But yeah. And so I read about it on Facebook groups and I was just like, yeah, that seems absolutely insane, but like all power to these crazy people. Um, and then it wasn't until, um, you know, going through my eight or nine months of, of just the constant, um, I just, just, I guess, protocol and routine, right? And you have to think like at that time I was traveling a lot too. And I was just on a bunch of tinctures and pills and having to take it through, you know, TSA and then be in a work meeting or a work conference and have to worry about, like, it was, it was a lot of stress on my body mentally and physically. Um, and so at this point, I just, I really hit this wall. Um, I had started researching bee venom for kind of lurking the bee venom Facebook pages after this. Um, and I just hit this wall with my protocol at the time where I was like, it's not working. I'm going broke. I, I felt extremely called to this crazy bee venom therapy after, after suffering for so long, I was like, you know, I went from, from thinking it was absolutely crazy to being like, no, this is my only hope. This is my only way out. Um, so complete 360 in my mindset there. Um, but yeah, I ended up just, uh, pulling the trigger really after about nine months of doing the other treatment and. I cut cold turkey. I went to Hawaii with my family and I came back and I ordered all my supplies and I just said, let's fucking do this. <laughs> now here I am a year and a half later. Oh my gosh. I think it's so funny. Like how you mentioned, you were like, these people are fucking crazy. I could never do this. Like I used to be so terrified of anything that had to do with like medical. Like I would go to the doctor's office cause I had a cold and I would like mm -hmm. pass out in the lobby, like just walking oh in there. Gosh. Like I was like, I had that like white coat syndrome is whatever they call it. Yeah. And I remember the first time my doctor was like, you're going to have to give yourself B12 injections like in your arm. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Like, how am I supposed to give myself a shot? Like, are you fucking kidding me? And I remember the first time I ever did it, I had to sit on my kitchen floor for like two hours with like the needle loaded 
and just like try to hype myself up for it. And I finally was like, I can't fucking do this. And like, I ended up not being able to do it until like the next day. And I just like, but it's so funny because B12 shots are nothing to me now because I've done them for so long. But I had a friend, um, I don't know if you know him, but his name's Jesse. He is actually in remission from Lyme. Um, And he said something one time that was so funny. I was on a Zoom call with him and he was like, he was like, yeah, I got to a point in my Lyme journey where, you know, I looked at my doctor and I was like, I don't give a fuck what you have to do to me. He was like, light me on fire if that's going to fix this. And I was like, that is so fucking true. That's how like literally what you get to be like, I don't care what I have to do or what it's going to feel like as long as you tell me it might make me feel better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I thousand percent got to that point. It's still am at that point where it's whatever you need to do, like just do it. All I want to do is feel better. And like, at the end of the day, I mean, I really beasting so much to just your B12 shot, you know, it's like, you know, it's coming. It's not bad. Like, and you ice yourself, like you're completely prepared for it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like looking at it now, like this is the easiest treatment that I've done out of just all of the other stuff. But, um, regardless, yeah, I'm, I'm to that point or I was to that point of just being like, whatever, whatever I need to do, whatever needs to happen, like make it happen. I just want to feel better. You know, you sharing about the bee venom therapy and stuff on Instagram is like super inspiring to me. And the fact that like you share about it, but you're not like pushy about it. Like some people are with like the treatments that they believe in. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you've seen those people on Instagram, whether it's Lyme treatment or anything in fucking general these days where they're like, you have to do this. Like this helped me. It's the cure for everybody. Like you just do it so elegantly. And you like convince people that it's the thing to do without telling them that it's the thing to do. Like, I don't understand how well you do it, but you do it very well. I appreciate that. Um, it's one of my fears, honestly, is like, because I, I really started like my page and my social channels just to like not promote B venom therapy. Well, yeah, I guess to, to gain awareness, but also just to like track my progress and be honest with where exactly, I'm at. Like, yeah. I'm not saying this is a cure-all. Like, trust me, every single day I manifest and I pray that like, this is the cure all, but like, I'm still a year and a half in and I'm still struggling. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I don't ever want to steer people in the wrong direction and make this seem like a miracle cure. But I even see that now too, with people that are just starting out with B-Venom therapy, posting about it as if it's this like miracle. And I'm like, no, like we can't do that. Like, and yeah. no, and like also not be pushy too. I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and I know you guys get this, is people like going in your inbox and like, this is what cured me. This is going to cure you. Try this. And I'm like, abort. No, like that's not how we do things. Like I just want to organically share my experience. Um, and I think it's, it is really cool to see the amount of people that are starting to catch on uh, to be venom therapy and try it. But I will say uh, it's been promoted um, as this kind of, again, miracle drug or miracle venom per se. Um, and people, I, I'm seeing a lot of people starting to drop out of it because they're not getting the results that they expected to quick enough. And that's mm-hmm. my biggest, biggest like piece of advice for people is like, you just have to like wait it out. Like just keep pushing, just keep chugging. Like this is not an easy treatment and this is not a quick treatment. Um, and I'm seeing it promoted a lot as that. And people are starting to get, um, I guess like they get their hopes up, right? And then they get let down. Honestly, though, that is something that I definitely learned by like watching a lot of bee venom therapy stuff is when you first come across it, it does seem like it's this like sting yourself 10 times in one week and you'll be cured kind of like thing, you know, like you'll feel great every, every day after you sting yourself. Like that is what it seems like at first when you start following certain people, you're not like that at all. So thank you because you you show 
Yeah. Well, you show the real parts like you show like, yeah, you know, like I had a good week last week, but like this week is tougher. And like, these are the things I'm still dealing with. And you're like, this is a long journey. Like this isn't a quick fix. Like you're super open and honest about that, which is so appreciated. And I think like people need to understand that that's honestly how most treatments are for Lyme mm-hmm. disease too. Like I feel like a lot of people when they first get diagnosed, they start a treatment and they're like, okay, like I'm going to be good in like a month. Like I had that hope. I had that hope with every treatment I tried at first. Same deal. I was like, this is it. This is the one. <laughs> exactly. They're like, tell me this is going to fix me. Like I'm going to schedule my vacation for a month because I'll be good. And it's like, yeah. no, then you get into a month and you're like, shit, barely anything has changed. But and it's like, you just got to keep later. going. Yeah. You can't lose the faith. <laughs> no, I think that's the biggest thing. I think mindset is everything. And I, I, I know it's so hard. Um, but I just hate to see people lose the battle to their mind. And it's like, we mm-hmm. have to remain hopeful. Like the mind is our biggest, it's one of our biggest pieces to heal ourselves as well. It's just having that faith and hope. I mean, you see these miracle stories of people who had cancer and they just, you know, are so high vibrations. And I think it's a huge part to healing. It's not the only part, but it's a big part. Mm-hmm. If there was somebody that was, say somebody is listening to this episode and they're listening to you talk and they're like, okay, I got it. I got to fucking try this bee venom therapy. Like what do you suggest as somebody's like first step into like figuring out how to go about all of that? Because like, I don't even know where the hell you get bees from, like, <laughs> or how you even like train yourself on this. Like, I know, I think I've heard of like some academies that actually like train you. Is that something that you did or did you just kind of like learn it yourself? Yeah. So this is, I mean, as you know, it's a self-done treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I learned everything through Facebook pages, which have been completely free, such great resources, such great people. Um, And I have those linked like in my profile um, as well as my website. So that's really where I learned. Um, And that's where I suggest people go to. Um, I think like at the end of the day, we spend so much money and so much time. And it's like, we get to the point where it's like, if all these resources are available at our fingertips for free, like that's just the way I suggest going about it. Um, there is the Heal Hive, which is an awesome organization if people want to like have that structured and have that, you know, kind of organization. Um, in my opinion, it's not necessary. It does cost a lot of money, but to each their own. There is not, I will say one of my biggest pet peeves with is bee venom therapy is the division of the protocols and the community in itself. And it's like who created what and what's better and what's worse. I don't believe in that. Like I want to like bridge that gap. And that's honestly also another reason why I started my pages is like people can learn however they want to learn. It's all pretty much the same information. Um, But at the end of the day, like we're all one big community and we should all be supporting each other. I love that. And where, like, where do you get your bees or where do you suggest people like, do you just ask a local beekeeper? Like, what do you, how do you do yeah, that? Yeah, so there's a few different ways you can go about it. Um, there's like two or three super popular um, kind of suppliers like around the States. Um, I go, I use mine through Allen. No, I use Ferris Apiaries, which would love them. Allen's is uh, another one I used to use in California. And then there's another one called Pollen Peddlers. Those are like the three kind of, I want to say like famous, good, reputable companies. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, if somebody is in like has a local beekeeper that's willing to supply, that's also another great way to get bees as well. Um, especially in a place like California where it's year round, but like out in Colorado, for instance, I don't do that because one, just a little bit more time consuming. Right. Um, and then two, like in the winter, all the hives, there's no hives out here. When you like the first time you ever stung yourself, were you like super worried about possibly having an allergic reaction or did you know that like you were not allergic to bees? I don't know. Okay. This is a really fun story. So I knew I wasn't allergic, but however, like you can, you can become really allergic anytime in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of like a random sporadic 
uh, reaction, but um, so get this. So this wasn't the first time I was stung, but I was in college. I was living my sorority life, getting drunk 24 seven. I was going to a date dance. And of course, what did I have to do before a date dance? I had to go get a nice, uh, nice tan, right? The worst thing. I don't do this anymore, but I had to go to the tan events. So I hop in I tan. I'm like, got my country music going. I had like the little goggles on like the lady in uh, Cinderella story. I'm like totally like vibing out. And then I could you not like on my ass. I got stung by a bee. Oh. And like, these are the types of signs that I'm talking about with bee venom therapy. Who else in the world do you know has ever been stung by a bee in a tanning bed? <laughs> I worked in a tanning salon for years and I don't know a single person yeah, that that happened to. Like how odd and bizarre is that? Uh, it's so funny. And so like, I, yeah, I was fine. I wasn't allergic, but I got like 10 free solid eye tan level five. So I was super stoked. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I knew I wasn't allergic. However, like the biggest, biggest biggest things before starting out with this and anyone will tell you and it's like listed in bold in the protocol is, is have an EpiPen always like err on the side of caution and make sure that like you're doing this I mean you're putting your life at risk I say that say that lightly but it's true like you you know like you want to you want to be you want to be safe at the end of the day yeah do you recommend like having somebody with you for like the first Absolutely. while that you're doing it too yeah, I would say like at least the first week or two as your body's like getting kind of used to it. Um, I'm kind of a rare breed of living alone during this treatment. I know there's a few other people out there. Um, but when I had first started, I was actually living with a roommate last year. And yeah, absolutely. She hands down was with me like the first sting and the first kind of week just to make sure everything was fine. And then after that, little girl flew. <laughs> Damn. Only like the first week. I feel like I would have somebody with me for like the first year. <laughs> yeah. No, she yeah, she was great, but like I didn't want to I'm I'm just like I I hate asking for help, honestly. It's one of my weaknesses. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. I felt so bad like being like, "Hey, Rumi, like can you stick around?" And granted she really liked stinging me. Sometimes she did, but I learned that I love stinging myself a lot more, and I think people that start to do self stings realize it too because it's honestly a spiritual connection. Um, and then also like, you just know when the sting is coming. So it's like not as like abrupt and it's not a surprise. So I've seen you post on Instagram, like, I'm not sure if it's before or after you do the stings, but I literally love your Instagram stories of like your sting sessions and you're like dancing around in your bathroom. And I'm <laughs> like, this is a total vibe that I need yeah. in my life. Do you dance before you do the stings or do you do you dance after? Well, because I know you like keep the stinger in for a certain amount of time too, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't dance every time, but. <laughs> but um, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Wait, that was so funny. <laughs> no pun intended, Buzzkill. Um, no, I, I mean, like I always vibe out with my music and everything and just kind of do, yeah, whatever I feel like doing. Sometimes it's it's mostly Taylor Swift because I'm a Swifty, but um. Yeah, typically I will just do that. I'll do my stings and then wait about 15 to 20 minutes or so. Um, and then I'll pull the stingers from them. But sometimes I get lazy. Like today I did mine before our call and they're still in my back. And so I'm going to start pulling them right now. <laughs> Holy shit. That's wild. So yeah. how often do you do this? Is this like a daily thing? Yeah. So this is um, the treatment. Basically what the protocol that I follow shoots for is stinging yourself three times a week. So I do Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and it's 10 stings. Um, one thing to note is that you don't just start at 10 stings. Like I, I worked my way up really from a testing to one sting all the way up to 10 over a matter of four months. Um, and then, yeah, so doing it three days a week um, and then for a total of two to three years. And then 
So since you used to travel a lot for work, like, do you travel with your bees? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. You know, what's funny is uh, I have yet to try to carry them on, but I did read in the group that some people do and I'm tempted to try it one time, but I haven't gotten that ballsy yet. But um, typically if I'm traveling, so a lot of times my work trips are only like two days, three days. So I can just do my sting the morning I leave and the night that I get back and like not have to miss a day. If it's longer than that, um, like for instance, when I go to California to my family, I'll just get, I have a bee box at their house and I'll just ship bees there. And then same okay. thing anywhere for like an extended period of time. So you don't like pack them in your uh, checked suitcase and you're not like, yet. I have to declare my live bees when you no, hand them your suitcase. At the not airport. yet. It hasn't gotten to that point yet. Maybe <laughs> one day I'll try it, but like, yeah. Is that possible? Can people do that? Can you pack live bees? You know, I don't think technically you're allowed to, but people definitely have. And I, I talked to one girl who literally carried her on, carried hers on the plane. And she even told the TSA guy, like, hey, there's bees in there. And they didn't care at all. They're like, okay. What? Can you imagine being the person sitting next to that girl on the plane? She just Hearing has like them? bees like on no, her lap. And you're just like, holy shit, have you released those in here right now? Like, <laughs> bitch, you better not. Yeah, like snakes on a plane that's now bees on the plane. <laughs> I would take bees over snakes on a plane though any day. 100%. Unless you're allergic. That would be just a liability. That would be my biggest fear. That's yeah. true. That's always like been my thought about like peanuts on planes too. Yeah. I always get scared to eat peanuts on planes because I'm like, I don't know if somebody else is allergic to peanuts on this plane. Like yeah. I can't do this. Um, I did want to talk about, so when you're in your bathroom and you're doing the stings, what happens if you pull a bee out and it gets loose? <laughs> Hasn't this happened before? It, absolutely. It happens all the time. Um, Either like I didn't clasp it enough, like on on her legs, or so, sometimes they just fly out. Um, I typically will shut the door so that way they're kind of like entrapped in this little bathroom, and then I'll turn the lights off and just keep my bathroom light on. So basically, the bees like love light, so they'll just fly right to whatever light is on. So once that happens, and I just let them go roam around, and then I'll um, if you spray a little bit of water, it will keep them from trying to fly everywhere. Um, and then yeah, I'll just catch it like that. I also have like a little bugzooka, which I don't use often, but if it comes to, you know, if I really need it, I can pull it out. What's a bugzooka? It's like one of those guns, like where if you have like a fly or like something around the house, it like catches it. It doesn't kill it. It just, it's like a little, it's a little bug gun. Oh we God. need one of those. That sounds awesome. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'll send you my Amazon affiliate link. Bug, bugzooka. <laughs> Get me a bugzooka yeah. for the house. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've heard that those bees that are people use for bee venom therapy are pretty like docile. Is that true? Yeah. So I think that's like one really important thing to know because I get a lot of things about like being a bee killer and things like that. And it's like one, we are, whoever we're getting the bees from, they're all beekeepers, right? And like beekeepers are like our number one people who are trying to save the bees. Like if this was not ethical, they would not be supplying bees. So Basically, um, they're worker bees. They're at the end of their lifespan. They usually have around two to three weeks left to live. Um, also, a big misconception is honeybees are not endangered. They've never been endangered. They're not going extinct. Um, they're actually not even native to the United States. Um, and so those are just like two things that I always like to tell people, um, you know, just about about this treatment in general. Coming in hot with the bee facts. Yeah, I've, I've got to drop them. I mean, people, I trust me with the TikTok comments. I mean, when I first had started posting on TikTok, I didn't know 
I didn't realize, I guess, how controversial it was. Um, and so I didn't really do my part of educating people on it. And I got a lot of backlash and it really put me in kind of like a dark place for a while. And then I just realized, I'm like, I just need to do a better job at educating people. Um, I will say that is something that's tough about TikTok in general, though, is yeah. you can post a video and you're not really telling the whole story with your no. one TikTok video and people just can assume all sorts of things from whatever your post is. I mean, you have 30 to 60 seconds to fit all this information in. And it's like, and if somebody hasn't been to your channel and if you posted it in the past, it's like you can't expect everyone to see your past videos. So you kind of have to repeat yourself uh, every time. I had an old friend of mine, I think about a year ago now, actually like send me a I can't even think of the word right now. Send me a text message. I almost said email, but it was a text yeah. message. <laughs> Send me a text message with your um, TikTok video, like literally just randomly sent it to me and was like, thought that you'd be interested in this. And I was like, hell yeah, that's my girl. That's <laughs> so funny. I still get that to this day and it still is a weird feeling. Uh, my sister-in-law, she was getting her lashes done in Idaho from this girl they weren't even talking about bee stuff. They were talking about like teeth stuff. I don't know. And she showed her a picture of me and this girl was like, oh yeah, I follow her on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my God. I love that. I've just, yeah. I thought it was so cool because like my friend has nothing to do with Lyme disease. Like why is Lyme disease even popping up on her yeah. TikTok feed? Right. But you popped up and then she like got that little bit of awareness about yeah. Lyme and bee venom therapy. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like this is yeah. a cool moment. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it, it's, it's honestly so cool. And I think the biggest when you kind of just nailed it on the head is like not only like beef and I'm here, but I'm like Lyme is gaining awareness. Like people mm -hmm. are becoming more aware of like, wow, and this is another treatment. Like you said in the past, like people had no idea. And so I don't know, it's just TikTok has been really cool. Obviously there's a lot of pros and cons, but it's very educational. And I feel like people for the most part are, are open to learning. I think Gen Z is just a little bit more open when it comes to, to those things, but they're also very harsh too. <laughs> yeah, definitely the best of both worlds there. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have anything other specifics that you want to share about bee venom therapy in general for people who might be interested in it? Um, uh, I mean, I just want to like say again, it's not an easy course. I think that's just one thing I always want to emphasize. Um, there's really not much more to it. Um, it. It's like a simple treatment, but also the most complex treatment at the same time. Um, this is just a shameless plug, but I did start creating these little bee boxes. My dad, actually my, my daddy, who's so cute, uh, started creating these uh, like where we house the bees. Um, we call it the little Britter Bees box. So if anyone is interested, the, yeah, the link is in my bio for those. Do you sell on Etsy? I do, yeah. We were totally going to mention that if you didn't, to be quite yeah, honest, we had I, it down on our list. Cause I think that's so cool. Yeah. I think that's such a good way to like, not even like brand, like to, to brand yourself, but also help other people at the same time. You're like, hell yeah, buy my beatbox. Yeah, like, you know, so cool. it's like such a, it's such a touchy subject, not something that I really even promote that much because the last thing that I want to do is try to profit off people. Like we're all in this together. But I just got to this point, like I was really annoyed with just the the logistics of like, because I had my old box and then I had my tweezers on this cup on the side. And then like, I was just, it was just like, for me, I was like, why can't this just all be one thing? And my dad growing up, like he was a woodshop teacher. And I was like, dad, like this would be such a cool project. Like, can you make me one? And so he made me one. And I was like, well, why don't we sell these? Like, I'm sure other people would like that too. So yeah, that's just the, that's kind of how it all started so fun shout out to dad shout out to dougie dougie fresh <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I wanted to ask you one like super specific question because I know that like my heart really goes out to the people that are like becoming newly diagnosed with Lyme disease just because we all remember that moment of being like, what the fuck are we supposed to do next? Like there's not really a game plan or anything that you have to follow when you're uh, diagnosed with that first. So I'm curious, like what's one thing that you wish you would have known like right away after being um, diagnosed? Oh, I think the biggest thing is that the doctor isn't always right. And, yep. and I say that like, like I truly mean it. And, and trust me, there's, there's so many different doctors. But I think the biggest thing to note with Lyme disease is every doctor is going to have a different protocol. So if you feel at all any sense that what you're on or any guttural feeling that like this, that you're not feeling better or that, you know, maybe this isn't the right treatment for you, like seek other options, other alternatives, and then also connect with the community. Like those would be the two things that I would say for sure. I love that 100%. You know, not every treatment works for every person. We see that all the time. And yeah. I think people definitely like get stuck on the first treatment that they try and they're like, this isn't working, but my doctor wants me to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no harm in switching things up if you really right. feel like that's what you need to do. Absolutely. Huge believer in that. I like that. Um, so I think we can kind of start to wrap it up. What do you think, Haley? Do you have any last minute questions, bee venom therapy or Lyme disease in general for her? No, I mean, I'm excited to go look at your TikTok and like check out some of those <laughs> videos because I don't follow you there yet. So um, I'll I'll be be friends. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a new TikTok follower. Look at that. <laughs> so exciting. Okay, so I want to do some rapid fire type questions with you so that the people listening can get to know you like on a little bit more of a personal level. They're not super personal. They're kind of like fun type questions, but you okay. ready for that? Yeah, I'm nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. They're super easy. No, okay, let's do it. Okay, so first question, um, do you prefer coffee or tea? Ooh, uh, I do boba, which has tea in it, mango green okay. tea, baby. Okay. So that's like your favorite. Cause my next question was going to be like, how do you drink it? So that would be like how oh, you drink your tea. Two and one. Yep. Okay. Okay. Tea, uh, boba from Kung Fu tea. I like it. I like it. Um, do you lean towards like a certain nutritional lifestyle, like certain diet that you like try to follow? Yeah. I typically try to do paleo or autoimmune paleo as much as possible. However, balance is freaking key. And if I'm going to have a pizza, I'm going to have a pizza. I loved your in and out like story. <laughs> um, like I yeah balance is absolutely key and I'm not going to be um you know like talked down to for eating a burger when I want exactly and that's why I totally phrase it like do you lean towards a certain one because I'm like I don't want to say do you follow a certain thing because that gives people the notion that you like are so strict about it and you like never sway off of it which is so much pressure and it's like no one can live like that so <laughs> I always say do you lean towards yeah something? that's more harm than good for sure um what is your horoscope sign Oh, I'm a Libra. Libra. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a cusper. So I'm a Libra, but I'm on the very last day. So I'm cusping Scorpio, but I definitely uh, lean Libra for sure. I will say, I don't know much about Libras. What are your like main personality traits? Do you know? Like with um, Libras? Yeah. So we're the scale. So we're kind of like the balanced person, supposedly. Um, what else? They say that we like can be emotional, but then like turn our emotions off like really quick, um, like snap out of it. Um I don't know. Loyal. I know for sure. So Haley and I are both Geminis. We get I'm... along with Libras. Dustin's a Libra. Okay. But I'm pretty sure like Geminis are probably like opposite of Libras because we're like the unbalanced ones. Aren't we like the split personality ones of the horoscopes? Yeah. 
I love that. I hear that a lot about Gemini's, you know, the two split personalities. Yeah, I'll balance <laughs> you guys out for sure. Yep. Well, that must be why I get along with you so well. So thank you for being yes. here. <laughs> um, next question. As a somebody with like a chronic illness, I know that most of us always have like a lot of shit that we take with us when we like leave the house just in case like symptoms hit or like shit starts to go wrong. So like, is there anything that you always make sure that you have on you when you leave? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, binders, a thousand percent. Always have binders. I love the Biotox by Cellcore. They're pretty expensive, but they're the best that I've used so far. So elaborate on that because I use binders too, but I also always feel like I never know when the best time to use binders is. Like, do you, so you t- say that you take those with you when you leave the house. Like, do you yeah. just take them periodically, like throughout the day when you feel like you're like feeling toxic? You're like, yeah, absolutely. Throw a binder back. Yeah, basically throw that girl. Uh, some people take shots. I throw my binders. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically like anytime I uh, really in between meals, like they say to take it like an hour or two in between meals. And if I'm feeling bad, then I just pop a few back with the 16 ounce of water. And a lot of times I'll feel symptom relief pretty, pretty quickly. Okay. Good to know. I usually always have taken them like at nighttime before I go to bed, which I don't feel like I really feel much of a difference, right? No. Because I'm sleeping through it. So I should try it in like the middle of the day and see. Yeah. I mean, typically yeah. on my detox day, I'll take at least like two to three kind of rounds throughout the day. Like every day? Uh, Yeah. So basically like on my non-sting days. Damn. I need to step up my binder game. Yeah, now. you do. That's your detox game. You got to get it out. I know. Okay. You just inspired me. I'll start throwing back some binders more often. <laughs> Um, are you a morning or night person? Ooh, night for sure. Oh, damn. What are you a morning? I'm totally morning. What I used to be a night person until I got sick and now I'm a morning person. I like completely flipped. Dang. Maybe I you'll used to, yeah, I used to sleep in until like 2 p.m. I used to work at a bar, so I was working until 2 a.m. And then yeah. I'd like go out. And be up till like 4 a.m. Yeah, up till 4 a.m. Going out with you, I used to be like, fuck, I need to go to sleep. And you'd be yeah. up at like 4 a.m. eating pizza or something. We would have been a fun time. <laughs> Haley loves going out with me. Can you tell? <laughs> he was like, can we go back? I'm sure you loved going out with me. <laughs> I went out with Haley because she toned me down. Mm. That's why I went out with her. <laughs> It was perfect. I don't know about that one. But now we're pretty even now that I'm chronically ill. So yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I say night, like I, I stay up a lot. Like I'm, I really do try to go to bed by like 9 or 10 p.m. Again, you're real. Crack me up on that one as well. But, <laughs> um, but like on the days where I feel better, like I get right back into my night mode of like wanting to stay up and chat. So for sure. So do you feel like you, um, does that go along with like you maybe feeling like you're an extrovert or do you feel like you're an introvert? Do you have a thousand percent an extrovert? Like I am the type of person, my friends make fun of me. And even on like first dates, whenever I go out, like I'm the one like chatting with the waitress, like wanting to know everybody's life story, like wanting to get the scoop about everyone's life. And yeah, that's just, I'm a thousand percent extrovert. You can uh, give me some of that if you'd like some of that right. extrovertedness because I definitely need the help. Let's do it. We'll be again, good balance, right? We'll go out. Exactly. Um, do you prefer the cold or the heat? A thousand percent the heat, aka get our asses to Arizona. <laughs> I know. I already, I already kind of knew that answer, but I still had to ask because, like, a lot of people I find with tick-borne illness, like fifty percent of the people feel better in the cold. Fifty percent of the people feel better in the heat, and it's mm-hmm. so interesting to me. Yeah, I'm definitely a heat girl. I can feel like the symptoms just melt off my skin with that Arizona heat. 
<laughs> okay. So that was like all of my uh, rapid fire questions. And if anybody's wondering why we're talking about Arizona so much, it's because we plan to move together there someday soon. Hello. So that's why we keep mentioning it. Yes. Um, so before I let you go, um, remind everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So pretty much it's universal around the board, Britter Bees, but with a Z. Um, and yeah, come check her out. Come be my friend. Come DM me. Let's chat. And we can hang out with Jess and I and Haley and we can all just be one big hobby family. <laughs> I love it so much. Did you, I don't know if you wanted to plug this, but I wanted to mention it. I saw that you have a podcast too. I do. I've been really bad at it. <laughs> um, it's definitely been neglected, but on this two week break, once I uh, get a little bit more sleep, I'm planning to kind of dive back into it. But yeah, also Britter Bees, I'm on Spotify and on Apple podcasts as well. But there's yeah, a, I, go ahead. I just need a little bit of a deeper dive and just kind of like my Lyme journey. Um, and then also just interviewing some other people that are going through it as well. Yeah. And I saw that you had a lot of information on there about bee venom therapy too, which is why I wanted to like make sure we plugged it because if people are yeah. listening to this and they're like, want to hear you speaking on it more, you know, like that is a good place to go. Cause I was totally stalking your podcast last night. So that's awesome. We're set. meant to say, uh, bee venom therapy, but that's just my line brain. So all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this with us today. I truly appreciate you being here. And I'm, I feel like, I mean, I already felt spiritually connected to you just because you have Lyme and because you're so fucking awesome. But now I feel even more connected to you actually hearing like a little bit more in depth of everything that you shared. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. This is so fun. Love you. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Bye.